This is episode 129 of Hebrews and Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And I really don't know how to introduce this podcast. We talk about a mishmash of topics and just... I'm just speechless on how I'm going to even introduce this thing. So, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Hey, Hebrews in exile. You know what we do. Let's go. You're the harvest. You're my life. You're a creation. You make everything right. Give me more power. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. And Rabbi Sean. No. <laughs> you, can be, you, can be, you can be one. <laughs> that word is teacher. Yes, it is. That, what that word means it is means teacher. teacher. Yeah, you're a teacher. <laughs> this is Sean Appleton, and this is Hebrews in, in Exile. <laughs> we have a lot. I think to talk about this this evening, mm-hmm. and um, this podcast is probably going to go in several different directions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But let's start out somewhere with current events. Mm-hmm. Current events say that the whole world is in uproar over what Hamas Uh, has done to national Israel. Yeah, yeah, national, the state of Israel. State of Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it uh, today and yesterday as I was listening to the news and listening to the commentary and there are several things that came to mind. Okay. Let's deal with what's first. In the days of Yahashua and in the days when the Most High brought Israel out of the land mm-hmm. and gave them a dictate to kill people. Sure. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Old people. Mm-hmm. Children. Everybody. That's right. That wouldn't have played well in social media in those days. Oh yeah, yeah. That that wouldn't have that wouldn't have voted well. That would not have voted well. Yeah, well, you probably would have had a United Nations form together to, to come against the the uh, empire of Israel and I, I, I let me I, I got to do this because for individuals that don't understand when we made this statement earlier about the state of Israel and and national Israel again that's different from the empire of Israel yes the um, empire of Israel encompasses all twelve tribes we don't have to ask anybody about our land. We never had the belt. Now go look this up. This is the Belfort Accords. Uh, I think during the time of, it was either Truman or Eisenhower, one of those presidents. It's in 1948 when the state of Israel was established. That land 
Nobody we had to go to and say, can you please give us this, like, Mr. Canaanite people, can you please give us our land? No, that was granted to us. And matter of fact, when you look into the book, book of Shoftim, I'm already off and running, Jack. Um, when you look into the book of Shoftim, I think that there's a judge named Yiftak, and he goes and he speaks to someone, and they're giving their uh, interpret, they're, they're saying, hey, listen, we're in this land. Why are you coming and, and trying to exterminate us out of it? And his testimony is is because the most high granted us this land it's part of a covenant that we have so this issue of when we make the statement about uh the state of israel that is totally different from the empire of israel which is like i said the 12 tribes and, right. we, and we don't have to garner anyone's uh, uh for lack of eloquence um permission to we take our real estate back. We don't have to negotiate with anybody about our land. That's correct. Because it's... The Most High said, this is my land, and you cannot do anything with it. It belongs to me. And you're in it in, in perpetuity. But right. it belongs to me. Right. So, so piggybacking on that, I mean, yeah, if the, the, the state of social media, we'd be all over TikTok and, and if, whatever if, else if is out there. If this was the day, if this were days of old <laughs> and Israel was going in and slaughtering nations of people at oh, yeah. the behest of the Most High, mm -hmm. that would not bode well yeah. in our current climate of humanitarianism. You, you know what, and and that's something to think about in the future, because future generations that will inherit that land, or at least matriculate back into it, are probably going to have to deal with that particular issue, which is it'll be worldwide news. Yeah, and and you know this this is this is interesting because the Most High has promised. As a matter of fact, I'm teaching now. Uh, through the uh, Messianic era books of Yeshayahu, mm -hmm. and it talks about uh, our redemption and time back in the land. Mm -hmm. You have to think about that as we read text, we read text in a ancient form of thought. We have we have progressed since then. Uh, with a plethora of um, of different ways to disseminate information. Mm -hmm. And with that being the case, as we move forward in time, that media of disseminating information is always evolving. Mm. So by the time we, uh, the Most High, redeems Hebrew Israel, the nation, uh, out of this exile back into the land, uh, media is going to be something different. Yeah. But it will be worldwide. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, we'll take center stage like we always have. Yeah, it, it'll be yeah. worldwide. Yeah. And the whole world will have something to say, but they won't be able to do anything about it. Right. And, and, and again, 
if there's any type of, uh, what's the word, vacillation in the idea of, oh, okay, well, and, that, and what I mean by vacillation is you're wavering between two opinions. Right. Um, to say whether or not those individuals, which is probably a good segue into those books, these Ashkenazians that have taken control of that particular territory, just a little sliver of over there that's there, because that, the expanse of our land is way larger than what they occupy. Oh, it has so, to be. So um, you have to ask yourself the question, if you guys are the chosen people, then where is the most high? How come he isn't showing up and wiped these people out? Exactly. Because we look at the behavior of the Most High. Any time that the Most High says, go in and take the land, go in and do this and do that, at the behest of the Most High, he's right alongside with us right. fighting. Right. And I, you know, I haven't been following it as closely as you have, but I just don't see that same behavioral characteristic of the Most High to come down and, no. and help no. this group of people if no. you are, in fact... The chosen people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, this, what we're talking about has nothing to do with our being anti-Semitic. Correct, yeah, absolutely. This has to do with historical fact. Mm -hmm. The historical fact is that any time Yisrael walked in uprightness, with the most high there was absolutely no enemy that could yeah. that could even think about mm -hmm. messing with israel as a matter of fact uh from a historical perspective the nations feared israel oh yeah i mean they feared israel they didn't they didn't think about even attacking israel right Right. And when Israel was marching across the desert to their destination and they had to move through these nations, these nations trembled about her. Oh, absolutely. A great example, case in point. We go back to our study of uh, Yehudit, which is Judith. In that storyline, we have an individual named Achior. Achior appears before Halafanes. Halophanes, and then in that exchange, Ahior says something very specific. He says, they're held up in the mountain over there. Now, I know you want to wipe them out, but if they're in complete compliance with the most, I don't even think don't about even going think about in it. there. Right. Because you'll lose. You'll lose. <laughs> so when we think about the current events after that, that are going on today with Hamas uh, attacking so-called Israel, they have absolutely no fear. Mm. of Israel. Right. Zero. And Israel has no retort, no retort to the fact that, I'm going to use their terminology, uh, Hashem ain't helping them. Mm-hmm. Right. They call him Hashem. Right. Adonai. They don't call him by his name because it's too sacred. Mm. And that's kind of a problem that's right because doesn't the text say that what you always quote it what is the it text says, chapter number four it says those that call upon my that my name <laughs> those that are called by my name and then it also says they that call up on the name of yahweh mm -hmm. shall be delivered so there's 
the this the situation that we're confronted with from a uh, from a textual perspective in light of current events, uh, there is no salvation for Israel from their supposed God, Hashem. Correct. Correct. Now, we don't call him Hashem because we recognize that there Hashem and Adonai and God and Lord are all terminologies that cover up the opulent name of the Most High. Mm -hmm. uh, we have arrived at this point of understanding that his name is relevant, his name is important to Hebrew Israel, and it is a source that can be used when you are in compliance yeah. with him. Yeah. It is a it is a resource you can use. You know, and, and if you read if you read um if you read uh Psalms, the helium, you hear the king often mm. in, in a lot of his verbiage, he implores the most high based upon his relation and his walk with the most high and he binds the most high to his word as does as you as you as we indicated earlier or starting out as did Mashe. absolutely i mean you know and, and that's one of the one of the things that we have to understand that's critically and very important in these times now, hold on, hold on for a second. I got to say something about that because it changed my perspective just instantly about what you just said. Because I guess I've looked at that particular piece and what you were talking about when we were talking offline was about the fact that when Moshe was there and they were out of compliance, children of Israel, or at least the empire of Israel was out of compliance with the Most High and the Most High said, I should just wipe them out. And then, Most High, and then Moshe goes and, and talks to the Most High and says, no, you made an oath that says that you were supposed to deliver these people into land. You can't, can't wipe them out. Can't wipe them can't out. Can't do it. And for, up until now, I said, wow, look at the compassion of Moshe for the people. But now I got to change my, my, my tune to that. And I'm going to bounce this off of you. Because I don't think Moshe, I think Moshe and the Most High were on the same page. They were like, take them out. But because Moshe was so in tune with the mitzvot, he said, listen, this ain't about them. This is about you about keeping you. your word. Right. So if I had my druthers about it and this, if this mitzvot was in place about uh, keeping O's, then I'd say take them out too. Because I believe at some point Moshe was probably on the same page talking to the same like you can say. Oh, oh Moshe, <laughs> Moshe. Well, we know, we know that he was. Because uh, he got angry at the rock. Yeah, that's right. I and mean, it cost him, you know. And it cost him. It cost him. I mean, he was, he was, he was angry with them. Yeah. And um, yeah, but, which, yeah, which goes to show, which tells you that you know, it's the the mitzvot are tantamount versus. See, here's the thing with the Most High <laughs> that people, people feel. need to understand: if the Most High makes an oath or makes a covenant then he's bound to it. Mm -hmm. In the instance that you brought up, the most I told Masha, I can, I can destroy this people and give you a whole new set of people. Mm -hmm. Masha retorted and said, no, 
You can't because if you do that, then the nations will hold you accountable that you promised to do something that you couldn't do. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think, I think, and I think in the mind, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try to read the mind of the most high. Okay. I, you and I can you and I can have a conversation. I can tell you something, and if I tell you something that it's not real, you know it's not real. <laughs> right. You exactly. Know, uh, Through inference, yeah. Okay, all right. He's embellishing. And, and I think bit. I think the most high knew when he made that statement, he knew that Mashe was gonna come back at him in relationship to his promise because he knew Mashe. <clears throat> I had this conversation with one of the congregants this past Shabbat uh, because uh, as we talk about in um, Shemo and in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Yeshayahu chapter 43 where the Most High talks about the degree of love that he has for Israel. Um, as, as, I, as, I, as I went over, as we closed, mm -hmm. you know, he says, you know, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I love you to the extent that I will give nations for you. Right, yeah, you did, it does say that. You know, and the question after class was, I don't know how to fathom that. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know how I, the person said, I don't know how to relate to that kind of love. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the most high's heart for his people is so intense that he is willing to cause them grief, mm -hmm. cause them pain and anguish just to get them to turn. And then he says to them, you know, in, in chapter 40, he says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people mm. and keep comforting. Mm. You have, talking about this exile, you have gone through and you have paid enough. Mm. to this point that I'm looking at you and I'm going to redeem you. Mm -hmm. And not only am I going to redeem you, but I'm calling you by name. Mm -hmm. I'm naming you so that the nations, the world can know that you're mine and I love you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I will give up nations for you because I love you and I own everything. Mm -hmm. I will give nations for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think when you think about when you think about that intense love that he has to even the point that when in in Ezekiel when the redemption time takes place and Israel is in the land in in unsecured walls mm -hmm. and these nations think that it's deja vu mm that they can come against Israel, like Palestine has come against Israel. They right. think they can come against Israel. The Most High, I'm paraphrasing the language, 
but he says in so many words, don't even think about it. Mm. Because it, because the moment <clears throat> that you walk up on the land of Israel and its unsecured walls, I will cause your eye sockets to melt in your head. Mm. You will drop dead right where you are. It'll take, it'll take Hebrew Israel seven months to clean up the mess. All of it. All of it. The, intense, the intensity has for that. And so people need to understand uh, that the heart of the Most High and what you and I clamor about every week are these mitzvot because the mitzvot are part of your ability to connect with the Most High. Yeah, now, much so. now here's something else I was thinking about. Because I'm going to come back to that point that you just said okay, well, about about love. Well, go ahead, talk. Because I'm getting I'm getting to go somewhere else. So, <coughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I guess I'm just I, I'm in my hubris. I'm, I'm just pondering this thought and postulating about as you're talking about love. I'm I'm thinking about his silence as well as a form of love. Now I have to do now as the Most High. I'm trying to think as the most high. I have to instantiate what I said in my word, which is you violate those mitzvot, and then I have to turn my back on you. Okay? I have to kick you out of land. I, there's certain curses that I got to put on you because you did this. And it's almost like you're in a heated discussion with somebody, and it gets to the point where you have to do what? Walk away. Yeah, because the intensity I take it any further and I have to deal with you something else is going to happen Yeah, that I don't want to have happen. So I'm saying I'm looking at it in his silence as we you know Where is Yahweh at? Well, how's he why isn't he doing anything about this now because I don't tell you what because we're so out of compliance in the violation that if he did have to address us I think it would be very very detrimental to our lives <laughs> because of the fact that now you've turned my attention and if you really want me to deal with you then I have to deal with you in the context of what that word says and now now I have to wipe you out but I can't do that obviously because of the fact of what we of of, of the uh what we instantiated earlier which is you know they're gonna let me leave a remnant and I got to get you got back into the land because that's what I had said but I can't speak to you right now because and that's because I love you so much yeah, because if I have to stay around you anymore, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, there is a text, and I'm trying to see if I can find it. There is a text in Isaiah. Well, while you're finding that, I'm going to go back to a discussion that we were having earlier, where I had said that I had came in here and I was, I was, and I'm again. Let's just. I'm going to put a pin in where we are about well, no, well, about love. Well, just hold it right there. Okay. Okay. Hold it, if you can do that. Sure. In Isaiah chapter 42, he says, "For a long time I have held my peace. Mm. I have been silent, restrained myself. <laughs> now." I will shriek like a woman in labor, panting and grasping for air. I will devastate mountains and hills, wither all the vegetation, turn the rivers into islands, and dry up the lakes. The blind will lead on a road they don't 
they don't know, on roads they don't know, I will lead them. I will turn darkness to light before them and straighten their twisted paths. These things I will do without fail. But up till now, mm -hmm. I have been silent. Silent. I've restrained myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that is what my, the culmination of what I was getting ready, what I had to stop myself when I said, hey, we need to start podcasting now. Because I came in here and I said, I need to probably sit down in your presence and be, have some counsel. And the reason why I said that is because, I, like I said, I use the word, the terminology depressed, which is not the correct term. I think more and more, as I think about that, the state that I'm in, I'm deeply grieved that's a better term to use. Okay, yeah, because because when you when you mentioned when you mentioned Jeremiah and Lamentations, mm -hmm. Lamentations is about it's not about being depressed. He's grieved over the matter. Yeah, and that's that's my issue is that I see, and this is kind of a double edged sword with getting your head into the mitzvotes and understanding because what you're doing is you're looking at all of the mitzvotes and you're looking at the rap sheet of the mitzvotes versus what 2023 culture, westernized culture is. And it's depressing. It's really grieving. It's really, and I know I use that term pejoratively, but it's grieving my spirit because it's so many violations that are happening and I, it's almost better to be dumb, fat, and happy over in Christianity because they tell you don't even worry about the misquotes. Don't worry about the commandments. We do our own thing over here. And now that my eyes are open, the veil has been, been relieved, I now see the mirror of the pestilence of, of society. And it's grieving to the point where, like I'm telling you, you messed up when you took me out of the country and I got a good taste of what <laughs> Eastern culture is about and what, how a community, for all of you that don't know, we went on a trip to Africa to minister to a group there. We hadn't fully gotten to where we are currently right now, but while I was over there, it was such a life-changing event. I implore every melanated person in westernized culture to get yourself back over there so you can see what a community looks like it may not be a first world country but at the same time you will see so many different things that we miss as a group of people we are economically to the point where we've risen to the state of being uh, at a level of prominence. But when you take your behind over there to Africa, you'll find out how poverty-stricken you are when it comes to being social. We have no social construct as a people in westernized culture as far as the melanated man is concerned. So piggybacking on what I'm saying is going over there and seeing that and then having that life-changing event happen and then now matriculating into seeing these mitzvot pop off the page and walking in them every every day, Moedims, dietary laws, um, civil laws, things that are germane to relationships with men and women, how a man is supposed to act in the relationship, how the uh, mitzvot address how a woman is supposed to act in the relationship. Um, all these different things that culminate and make Hebrew Israel a cohesive group of people is a reflection of what the Most High wants us to be. And when you see the degradation and declination of our culture, 
It's grieving. I can totally understand what Yeremehu and the lamentations of the prophets, but why they are the way they are. But I want you to remember something, okay? Remember a few weeks ago I called you and I came in here with tears? Oh, yeah. That you did. I was grieved. Mm -hmm. My spirit was grieved and lamenting over the state and the condition of Hebrew Israel in this exile. To the point that I got to the point where my spirit just couldn't take, take it, it anymore. anymore. Mm. I couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. I yeah. was grieving over it. And I wept over it. Mm -hmm. Because I could see, I could see a nation of people being helpless and being held helpless in a nation that they helped build. Mm -hmm. Now, let's just kind of flip for a minute. Sure. If we flip for a minute and ask ourselves a question, and let me go, let me go to the words of Harriet Tubman. Right. Miss Armanita Ross. Miss Armanita Ross. Mm -hmm. She said, if the slaves would have known they were slaves, I could have saved a lot more. A lot more. Mm -hmm. Think I want. I want you to put a pin in that because I'm going somewhere with that. Okay. Okay. All right. If they would have known they were slaves, I could have saved a lot more. Can you think of where I'm going with that? Oh, yeah. I'm making an analogy in my head right now. Had you, Ibir, known you were Ibir, or Hebrews, we could do a lot more in this dispensation of time that we're in. That's immediately where my mind went. Exactly. But let me put it, let me put it in, 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 in religious context. Okay. Where in our Constitution of the United States? No. Oh, Constitution and okay. Our Hebrew Constitution. Okay. okay. Bereshit to Devarim and the prophets mm -hmm. and the writings. Where in there is there any narrative about how to be saved? Let me go let, from let, a religious standpoint. Let me let, let me yeah. let, let me let me grab a page across the street. Okay, men and brethren, <laughs> what must we do to be saved? And Peter responded, "Be baptized, every one every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins, and mm. you shall receive the gift of a ghost." That's way well. That's way off. But that, but 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 now I, I'm using that to come back to the discussion. Mm -hmm. In Hebrew text, the question should be: What must we do to be delivered? Because the word "save" only means delivered. Mm -hmm. What must we do to be delivered? Delivered from what? 
Exactly. Delivered from this exile. Delivered yes. from being separated from see, see, the most now, high. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference because across the street right. is to be delivered from sin. Right. That <laughs> I'm sad to say to you that you never get delivered from. Right. Right. <laughs> You'll be struggling that to the you day you leave here. Uh-huh. And so that, let me remind you of the fact that you you don't get delivered from it because the text says, if you say you have no sin, you lie, no, and the, the truth, truth is not, not in, in you. you. That's right. And then John, 1 John chapter 3 says that the absence of the law in your life is a sin. Mm -hmm. So he that doesn't abide by the law, to him, it is a sin. So now you, now, so I'm trying to figure out you know, from the Greek text, uh, what what did you get saved from? Because you're still not in a state where you're delivered. Now I come back. Mm -hmm. I come back to Herod to Ms. Virgil. If, if the slaves would have known they were slaves, I could have saved a lot more. Mm -hmm. If these people who don't know that they're Ebir, mm -hmm. if they realized that they were Ebir, we could deliver a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And the principle, the principle of deliverance from a Hebraic perspective is really quite simple. Yes, it really is. It doesn't require you <laughs> to pick a bale of cotton, roth <laughs> on the floor like you're trying to <laughs> exercise demons. Terry. <laughs> and, and require you to, to conjure up something that's called speaking in tongues to manifest the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm -hmm. Correct. Doesn't require that. It doesn't require that. There's nothing, there's nothing in the Hebrew scriptures that even come close to anything like that. Mm -hmm. Correct. The simplicity of, I'm going to use the word salvation for the Ebir in this exile is to simply do one thing that does not require any emotional act on your part mm -hmm. other than a sincere, broken, and contriteness mm -hmm. towards the Most High and His teachings and His instructions mm -hmm. and your willingness to, to adhere to those. Turn back to those. Correct. Turn so back. now, if I was going to talk about talk about the issue of and and, and 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 across the street, the whole idea. Hi, Kenya. See you there. <laughs> Atlanta's in the house. Atlanta's in the house. All right. And uh, who's that? Urban. Who we got? Who's that? Urban. Urban Ink Doll. Urban Ink Doll. We see you. 
I see you. Glad to have you in with us on tonight. Wait a minute. Why y'all there? We got. We know Atlanta's in the house. Urban Ink Dog, where y'all at? Y'all in Southern California? Put in the chat where you're coming from so we can shout y'all out. So the point is that if I go across the street, salvation is about eternal life, one. Two, it's also about not going to hell. Oh, come on. Now I'm going to let you run. I almost need to push this mic back because I know where this is going. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I, we've talked about this. That's what it's about. It's about having eternal life and not going to hell. Exactly. And burning in this, in this eternal inferno. Right. Which the most high gets no benefit out of at all. No, but... But he does, and I, I, mentioned, I mentioned this in this week's teaching out of, um, uh, out of, um, uh, come on. You guess Yahoo? No, Last Prophet. Come on, come uh, on, think of me. The Last Prophet. Last Prophet. How come I can't think of his name? Malachi. Malachi. Out of Malachi, mm -hmm. Malachi talks about a time that's going to come when the Most High is going to unleash a fervent heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the sun is going to literally burn up the wicked. Mm. Okay, so we have this idea. And so in Christianity, the thought is, I don't want to go to hell, which doesn't exist. Correct. But I do want to have eternal life. Mm -hmm. There is no, there is no, reference in the Greek text that guarantees anybody eternal life based upon the words of the Most High. Correct. Nothing. Yeah, because their definition of salvation is based on their doctrine. It's nothing, it's not an edict that the Most High says this, that this is what salvation is based on or your deliverance. And again, I think what we've eloquently tried to convey here is that they're two different diametrically opposed ideas. You're being delivered from sin, and then that, the prerequisite for that is believing in this human being that was brought to earth. I was thinking about that the other day when you had brought that up. Again, when we talked about when this individual came into the earth, do you realize that Mary and Joseph were on the run? They were fugitives? Why were they fugitives? They were fugitives because they were in violation of the mitzvot. That's why. Because when you read the text in Matthew, it says that Joseph was a righteous man. Or Joseph was a righteous man. Now, so, so, but, but, but you see, the problem with that is that most people reading the text don't know what righteousness is from a Hebraic perspective. Right, right. So he was righteous in the sense that he observed the mitzvot, understanding that. Why you have to ask the question? Why are they sneaking around? Because in the, and if you understand in the mitzvot, it says that if a woman is found to have had relations being betrothed to someone else, then she is considered an adulterer. So therefore, the wages of adultery.